As we think about our time this morning and we're called to reflect on God's Word together, um, we heard prayers, and as God has um, called us to this place, and to be, He's present with us by the power of the Holy Spirit, we're also, we approach God's Word with confidence because we are a forgiven people. That reminds us that through His mercy and grace, and so as forgiven people, we now receive His Word with strength and with confidence that He is speaking to us. As I was reflecting on the passage of Scripture that we're going to look at here momentarily, um, it's a question that we're asked this morning. Do you have somebody in your life that you can ask all sorts of questions and they seem to be able to have the answer? Not in a negative way, but as somebody who's a positive. You know, somebody, you know, how do you fix this? Or how do you, do, how do you deal with that? I remember that my, growing up, my dad, you know, there was a time where my dad didn't have any answers. I was like, what? You know, come on. You know, I, had, I went to college. I was a freshman. I came home, and I knew everything. And then uh, my dad was just like scratching his head. And then later when I started having kids, getting married, and mortgage, and this, and life, and work, I'm, dad, 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 help me out. All sorts of questions from my dad. Who in your life is that person? Sometimes we think of Jesus as the person with all the answers, with all the answers. But did you know that he asked a lot more questions? Someone took time and, and counted how many times Jesus asked questions. He asked about 183 183 questions throughout the gospel accounts, all four gospels. And yet he only, oh, excuse me, he gets asked 183 questions. So people ask him questions. And he only answers three directly. Isn't that amazing? I know. That's what I said. (laughs) On the other hand, one published account found that Jesus asks, he asks, 309 questions, a wide variety of questions, important questions, important questions that when we consider the questions that he asks us or asks those in the first disciples or those in the crowds, when we take them seriously and answer them honestly, they have the power to transform our lives. He asks good questions. Some of the questions he asks are very familiar to us. Sometimes they're questions of loyalty. He asks Peter, do you love me? Remember that? Three times. Do you love me? Sometimes there are questions of faith and doubt. Why are you so afraid? I'm right here in the boat with you. And they're like struggling. The boat's about to sink. Why are you afraid? Some even reveal how Jesus has grown impatient with his first disciples. How long shall I put up with you? Do you still not understand? This morning, the question that Jesus asks is a question of healing. question of healing. You and I both know that healing begins with questions. If you go to the doctor, you're in the reception area, they hand you a clipboard and a form, and all you do, you sit there for 15 minutes and you're answering questions, right? Once the nurse says your name and then calls you into the, the, um, where you'll meet with the doctor, the nurse asks you more questions. Tell me your birth date. Tell me your name. Make sure that the person here is the same person on the piece of paper. And then the doctor comes in with more questions. How long have you been feeling this way? Has this ever happened to you before? Where does it hurt? These are important. 
just as much as he was known as a great teacher. Throughout the Gospels, there's story after story of Jesus healing those who suffered from every manner of illness. And like any great physician, Jesus begins with questions. The story we're invited to reflect upon this morning is only found in the Gospel according to John. It occurs when Jesus and his disciples have arrived to Jerusalem. Jesus, in the Gospel of John, Jesus is in Jerusalem three times. That's how we know, in many ways, that Jesus' ministry lasted three years. Here he is in Jerusalem for a festival. They seem to be touring the city, and they go through a gate into the city, and and right by the gate, the sheep gate, is a, a pool. And in ancient times, this pool was surrounded by columns, and there was a a roof over the top. In this pool area, many gathered who had chronic illness with infirmities, wounded and broken. They would lie near the pool. (laughs) At that time, there was a legend or a rumor that when the waters bubbled up or were stirred, an angel had touched it, and the first one into the waters to get their body into the water had a good chance of getting well healed from their disability, their chronic illness. Now, you'll notice as I read the passage here shortly, and you might have your own personal Bible wherever you are at home or here, or you can follow along on the screen, there is no verse 4. It goes 3, then 5. And the reason is that some ancient copies that we have of the Gospels have extra verse at that point that explain all this about the angel touching the water. But the most Uh, authoritative copies of the Gospels that we have don't have this, that verse 4. Some of you really like this stuff, and you have a study Bible, and you, I would encourage you, get a study Bible. I love this kind of stuff. I know some of you go, like, you know, move on to the message, John. What's more, one more deal here before I set the scene here. This historic site within the ancient walls of Jerusalem, the old city, there are many historical sites where we believe Jesus was with his disciples, like the upper room. We're close. We think authorities, archaeologists think, yeah, this might be exactly where it is, or maybe not. It could be over there. Other, the tomb where Jesus was laid, maybe over here, you know, we're going to designate this the one, you know. This site where I'm about to read, the pool, that Jesus healed this person. Archaeologists have uncovered, and without a doubt, this is the pool where Jesus was. And I've been there, and if you go with us in September and October, we'll walk down into that pool area, and it is an amazing sight, an amazing sense that Jesus was here. You know it. We know it. So as I read, listen for the question that Jesus asked. Is that a John chapter 5, verses 1 through 9? Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish feasts. In Jerusalem, near the Sheep Gate, is a pool. In the Aramaic language, it's called Bethesda. It's surrounded by five rows of columns with a roof over them. Here a great number of disabled people used to lie down. Among them were those who were blind, those who could not walk, and those who could hardly move. 
one person was there who had not been able to walk for 38 years. Jesus saw him lying there. He knew that the man had been in that condition for a long time. So he asked him, do you want to get well? Sir, the disabled man replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the angel stirs the water. I try to get in, but someone else always goes down ahead of me. Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat, and walk. The man was healed right away. He picked up his mat, and he walked. This happened on a Sabbath day. The word of the Lord, thanks be to God. How would you feel if some stranger came up to you and pointed out your chronic illness and your condition? On the surface, Jesus' question seems very insensitive. Do you want to get well? What do you think, man? I've been here 38 years, lying in this condition, waiting on this mat for my opportunity to get into the pool. Of course I want to get well. At first, we might be thinking Jesus is is being a little judgmental here on this situation. I'll be honest, I don't really like how John describes the situation. I think he leaves too much of it out, maybe. I don't know. Someday, maybe I'll get to meet him in heaven, and we'll have an argument. John records no other questions or what a physician would ask. What's your name? Where does it hurt? Somehow John knows, and so does Jesus, that this man's been there for 38 years, which does lead us to believe that Jesus does ask more questions. John doesn't record it, but we just don't know. What is clear is that John wants the church, he wants you and me to wrestle with that one question, do you want to be made well? It is interesting, after the question, rather than answer the question, the man goes into to talk about the difficulty of his circumstance. The man seems a little defensive. He says, look, no one is here to help me. I've tried to get into the water, but someone always cuts in front of me. Shares how the world is not fair. Invites pity. Now, before we're quick to judge the man, he has been sitting there for 38 years. The man has suffered a great deal indeed. You know, I relate to this a little bit because my grandmother, she was in an automobile accident and she, for the most of her later life, was uh, in a wheelchair. And then my grandfather had to care for her and she suffered a great deal. My father had epilepsy and he suffered a great deal. I feel like sometimes when you read this and and the man complains a little bit, I go, you know what? He is suffering. Listen. And I think maybe that's what John is letting us know. Jesus is sitting there listening to this man. Tell me about it. I want to hear. Jesus doesn't walk away. He doesn't say, turn in your victim card. This doesn't turn it into a teaching moment. Look, disciples, look, little faith. It doesn't do that. No, through it all, Jesus answers his own question with an act of mercy. Get up, take your mat and walk. Now, this past week, I read this passage to our staff, uh, our wonderful staff. We meet in the Narthex for our staff meeting on Tuesdays at 10 o'clock. 
And if you happen to be thinking about us, pray for us on those because it's an important meeting. We care for the ministries and the life of this congregation. We encourage one another. And then I also read the passage of Scripture, maybe getting some, some ideas on for the sermon. And I want to tell you, this past week, our staff, they're amazing. And so I'm going to share with you what they said in response to this passage. I go, well, what do you guys think? Well, and they came up with four things. So this is their sermon. You don't like it, don't blame me. <laughs> so this is what our staff came up with. Four lessons for us to think about as we consider this situation where Jesus is in this pool with this man, and he looks at him, and he says, get up, take your mat, and walk. Jesus' question does not assume the man's desires, but rather seems to respect what he wants. Jesus wants to know about the man's heart. He wants to know about his condition. He wants to know what's deep going on deep down inside. Jesus hears how the man has suffered, how loneliness has worn out his soul. He's alone, defeated. Perhaps he's given up hope. Jesus hears how he wants, how he has desperately held out hope that maybe someday he'll be the one who gets in that water first. 38 years. Something, someday, perhaps someone would come along and help him. Friends, this is one of the greatest mysteries in all life. The question of suffering. Why do people continue to suffer? Pain. The psalmist laments over and over throughout the Psalms. Why God? Why is this happening? Job asks the question, wrestles with the question. We don't fully know all the answers. But we have to trust that our great physician wants to hear. And likewise, the second thing that came up is that Jesus truly does care about our condition. He wants to hear. He wants us to articulate how we feel, where we feel wounded, where we feel broken, what's in our hearts where we seem to be treated unfairly or have been wrong, Jesus wants to hear. Because this is the most profound part. He cares. He really does care. He hasn't given up on us, so we're not going to give up on him. We're not going to give up on praying, lamenting, and sharing our concerns. He cares. He truly cares. Third, Jesus heals on his own terms. Not ours. You think about that. He does not say, okay, um, what I'm going to do is I'm going to sit here with you, and when I see that water bubbling up, I'm going to help you get in. Jesus simply says to the man, take your mat and walk. Healing is not dependent upon the man, nor on us. Jesus is in the business of healing, making us whole, setting us free, sending us out, thriving in faith and in hope and in love. As one biblical writer suggests, he will never stop asking the question, do you want to be made well? Do you want to be made well? Fourth, for the man to be made well, he will have to act. He will have to act in faith. Think about it. 38 years lying on the mat. Get up and walk. That takes a lot of faith. 
That would take a lot of faith in what this man says, a stranger says to him. Somehow he gets up and he takes his mat and he walks. And he was told to take his mat. And there's a couple things behind there. You know, on the, it says it happened on the Sabbath. Later in the story, he gets in trouble by the religious leaders for carrying his mat, which seems the most ridiculous thing in the world for me because it was considered work. But in some ways, we can think about that mat, and that is a mat as a reminder of where he came from. This is what was profound from our staff. He has something to remind him where he came from, where God acted in his life where God continued to remind him of his faith and, and God's activity in his life. Maybe you have things like that in your life, where has, God has brought you from something, where you have been healed from something, and you have some type of memento or memory or thing that you can look at and say, yeah, I was there, but now I'm here because of God's love and grace in my life, because he answered with mercy in my life. This man who had got up, there would be challenges for sure, steps forward, steps back, but he will need to trust in the words of the great physician, do you want to be made well? Get up, take your mat and walk. That man spent a lifetime at the pool, right? Would that, so what would his new life be defined by? Would it be defined by healing? There goes the guy that was healed by Jesus. Would he stay by the pool? Would he help others? Would he go out into the world which was new and foreign to him? We don't, again, we'll have to talk to John someday about this. We don't get the rest of the story. And maybe that's what John wants us to think about. <laughs> maybe he's leaving it there for us to say, how would you? But the question seems to have a deeper implied meaning. The healing will bring change and will work and will take work and commitment. Are you ready for that? Because if you pick up your mat and walk, you will also provide new life, new challenges, fullness. So that leaves us, where does that leave us? It leaves us with a question. How are you being asked that question in your life? Or maybe somebody in your life that you know, that you love. Do you want to be made well from what you are suffering from? Do you want to be healed from a chronic condition that strains the relationship? Maybe there's a sin in your life, something that just grips you and you can't get rid of it. Do you want to be made well? Do you want to be set free from, from guilt and shame? Do you want to be set free from anger and bitterness? Do you want to live a life set free? Jesus wants to know if you want to be made well. So he's asking us that question. That is a question that we are to carry this week. Where in our lives do we want to be made well? Because as Jesus listens, he's going to act with mercy. I believe that. He will act with mercy in your life and in mine. And then it is up to us to act in faith and to walk and keep moving and enjoy the healing that comes through God's mercy. And all God's people said, amen.